0: It's odd that even though the mind-body connection has been well documented since the inception of psychotherapy, it's very few modalities that incorporate the body. In fact, it's still considered niche, or at least alternative, to proactively work with the body when you're going to therapy. Therefore, there's just so much to learn when speaking to someone like Ariane Fuchsner, a trauma therapist and somatic experiencing practitioner, was able to explain to me what it means to have a body-oriented approach for the healing of traumatic and chronic stress. Can you tell me about your your therapeutic
1: journey, how that all got started?
2: I mean, I sometimes tell my clients, and now I can say publicly, I never wanted to become a therapist. I mean, it was really absolutely not on my radar. I did a lot of things. I never really found a job that suited me or where I felt home or You know, I I had an artistic career, I worked as a jeweler, I was an arts manager, I worked in public information at the United Nations, I worked as a project manager in translations, I had a PR agency for almost 15 years, and yeah, so I tried a lot of jobs, and when I worked in the field of IT, I developed a pretty severe burnout. And, you know, basically had a major crisis, mm-hmm. worked too much, and, you know, did traditional therapy and, and went into rehab, all the things you do, you know, to take care of yourself when you have a crisis like that. And it helped, but I think the big shift in my life came when a friend started the somatic experience in training, and I was one of his, let's say, guinea pigs while he was still on training and said, you know, let's try this out. And then instantaneously, I could, you know, feel something was changing. And so initially I just started off as a client and and then my friend said, Hey, you know, you're working with people. This could be interesting for you. And I looked into it. I did the intro workshop, which you have to do. And then I was completely hooked and I knew I had to do the training, still never thinking about becoming a therapist. It was just more like for self experience and while i was in the training it it dawned on me i mean i have to practice i mean i have my crazy it you know clients you know the world of it is very fast-paced and 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 you know no sensations no you know no introspection so to say or very little and so I, i you know from well not day one but you know six months into the training i started off giving sessions on donation basis, and then it got more and more. And I figured, hey, I really like this, so why don't, don't I try it? And then I got my high for psychotherapy, which you need in Germany to practice. I finished my training, and then it still took a while. Basically, it was in total a transition period of five years where I still had my agency, but I reduced my clients, which basically paid off my education and everything. And time after time, I had more and more clients until I then decided, okay, I completely let go. Of my old career, my clients sent them farewell, and just do therapy, and that worked. It was a it was a tough journey, uh, so but it was worth it, and it worked.
1: Wow! Yeah. So how long have you been practicing by now? Well, I graduated in eighteen,
2: the three-year training. But as I said, I, I you know six, well almost yeah six months down during the training, I I started giving sessions. So it's been. Like, 16, like since 16, basically, seven years now. Yeah. yeah. And it was also kind of, well, not funny, more shocking. It was at the end of 19, I had decided, okay, you know, let's really get rid of the last final client, focus on therapy. And then Corona hit, which was, you know, you know, oh, yeah. a, a big experience for all of us. And then, yeah, but it forced me, all the clients gone because I had never worked online. You know, there was a completely new area. So... I jumped into the opportunity, developed online formats, not just individual sessions, but for a while I also got, gave free webinars, I gave online trainings, and that way, you know, kind of build up a bigger business to myself than before because I had more exposure, so to say. And yeah, so for a while I used that as a as a tool to, you know, talk about nervous system work and explain to people, you know, what is, what was happening during the pandemic, why they were having the symptoms they had.
1: Nice. So you could, you could leverage your, your unique background.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Because it's, well, first of all, I mean, I don't think that as a therapist, you have to uh, have experienced all the terrible things in the world, but it it certainly, you know, for one thing, it was the burnout experience. Plus, I have some chronic illnesses, which are not, you know, harmful, but still, I have an idea what it means. I have a chronic illness. I work a lot with people that have chronic illnesses, such as chronic fatigue or now long COVID, fibromyalgia. Um, I have the expat experience myself. I work. In the arts, I have a lot of artist clients, but I also work in the field of business and international relations. And I also find this work utterly creative. I mean, I'm no longer creating jewelry or painting a picture or something like that, but it's still a very, very uh, creative form of, of work.
1: Yeah. Can you maybe elaborate a bit on that, actually? Like how SE is is a creative type of therapy?
2: It's a therapeutic approach or concept But it's not like, oh, you know, this is exactly how it has to go. I mean, one thing we all have in common as human beings that we all have, or mammals as well, you know, we have this autonomic nervous system that we work with in somatic experiencing. But so this unites us, whether we're male or female from Ghana or Denmark or Germany, it doesn't matter if we're queer or whatever sexual orientation, whether we're old or young. I mean, this is really something that unites us as human beings. So we work with that. And there are certain things that are happening, certain, yeah, things or rules that happen in all nervous systems. That's one thing. And and so you have to learn to read the nervous system and work with that. But on the other hand, every human being is unique in its form of expressing it. And, and so... Not every nervous system reacts in the same way. I mean, you know, five people can, may have ADHD or five people may have fibromyalgia and yet they have a different background, personality, the way that the illness or the trauma manifests. And so being completely open in the process and helping that track what's happening in the nervous system, making suggestion, being like, you know, today a client said, it's like, you know, a companion, right? That I make suggestions and, and give out imitations, but it might be that mm-hmm. the client reacts completely different and then I have to adapt to that. And we or we both work with that, whatever is appearing and it's not, oh, this is wrong. I was, you know, checklist, I, expe- I was expecting this. In this in this way, you know it's, it, you have to be really, really open-minded and in this way it's you know creative because you, you really have to be in the present moment and see, okay, what's the resonance with the client? You know, or what comes up in me as a suggestion or how do I take something that the client says or experiences and how we move further, you know, towards the client's goal of, you know, being more self-regulated, being more present or being more, having more, you know, feeling stronger or whatever their goals are. So, yeah, it's a, it's a different way of creativity, but you have to be creative to do this kind of work.
1: Yeah. I find it so intriguing when you talk about making suggestions or giving invitations. Is it possible to describe a typical session? It
2: really depends. I mean, in, um, you know, somatic experiencing is, you know, part of the, let's say, body therapy, somatic therapies. Um, So You know the focus on the inner ex bodily experience is you know would be like let's say the king's way that would be you know the goal but there are clients obviously that have no access to their body right Mm -hmm. um you know it's just the brain that's there or you know certain and and the rest might see it not there or you know they might have access to feelings but you know no body sensation or the body might even you know they could might consider the body as as an enemy based on what they experienced Um, so, you know, I cannot jump into, you know, oh, you know, what are you saying? You know, well, or if a client says, you know, oh, I notice I'm getting angry, then, you know, I would ask, oh, okay, you're getting angry. How do you notice you're getting angry? And, um, Mm -hmm. and I might, you know, depending on, on, on the client, I might deepen it, you know, either by suggesting, well, if she had, you know, on a mental level. Describe me what it means, you know, to be, to be angry, or it could be on an on, on image level. Ah, okay, you know, if you were to find an image or a color for angry, what could that be? And then, the, you know, the client might say, it's red, or I see, you know, a fierce animal. Um, the client might, might name an emotion on a physical level, the sensational level. You know, I, I might ask, okay, you know, how do you notice there is anger in your body? You know, is, is your gut twisting or clenching or, you know, how's your breath? And even there, you know, it depends on the experience of the client, how long the client is coming. Do they understand my questions or do I have to give suggestions to help them a little bit to orient themselves within themselves? Oh, yeah, right. As you're saying it, now I feel that, you know, my, 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 my gut is clenching. Oh, you're right. You know, my breath is really hollow. And, and then later, you know, we, when we work, I later, you know, if there, if then I would then later say, okay, so how's it now? You know, what changes have you noticed to before? How is your breath or your gut doing now? If, you know, if it's accessible. And mm-hmm. um, so really, you know, it's, it's people learn to track their own experiences. You know, and SE, we don't work, you know, with the narrative of the story, but more of the narrative of the, let's say, of the body. Um, because it's, it's an, it's a bottom up approach, meaning, you know, it's, it's whatever your experiences, we're trying to renegotiate these things within the body. And, you know, which is not to say the mind is bad, or you know, we don't use that, but it's more like, you know, something is coming like from, from, you know, from the bottom up, and you're having a new, different experience than before. And with that, as, as your nervous system is, is regulating and, 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 and you know, coming more into a state of balance, you're able to think more clearly, you know, you might get insights that are like, you know, coming up like, like bubbles, for instance, that could be an image. And like, oh, now I understand. Now I see a connection. And oh, now I ha- I know I have to, to do, you know, go down this road as opposed to this road, right? But it's not that we, you know, um, ruminate on a thought. Oh, you know, what does it mean? Think about this or that, but more, you know, through the process of this this physiological work that we do that the, the client get already that they um yeah, have a better understanding and just feel more present and, and safe because it, in the end it's all about safety right that people feel more safe um, within themselves
1: yeah so would it be fair to say or accurate to say that besides identifying as a therapist, you're also like a teacher of emotional curiosity? I mean, a teacher, that's too much. I mean, for one thing, we, yeah, yeah. guide.
2: I mean, um, psychoeducation is an important part of the work, but, not you know, not every session because you, you could, you know, talk t- too much. And I always have to be careful that I don't say too much, right? because uh, I like educating people about it. But it's important that people have an orientation. What's happening? Why am I am I having the symptoms that I'm having? Where am I, you know, where is my body yeah. right now? Am I present? Am I in fight flight, or am I in freeze? and And there are so many nuances, you know that 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 we can learn about ourselves in ourselves, but also then see in others, right? You know, even as a client, understanding the work, you know, is also helping them understanding the world around them and seeing, oh, wow, my partner is in freeze right now. I better not have, you know, a big argument with them right now because, you know, they're not, you know, open to any suggestions if they're in free, in free state. So, yes, it's important. Always with the idea that they know where they are, that they, you know, get a better understanding and, and you know, more self-compassion about themselves, obviously, as well, right? If I understand what's happening physiologically and that these are physiological, you know, that it's biology that's often like, you know, dictating something or, or you know, the cause of one way or other people, you know, it's easier or when I know then what I can change, it's, you know, I can be more patient and, and, and compassionate with myself and also others. Um, yeah, because it's, I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, it's not biology. I accept it and I, I learn how I can work with that, you know, with it and not against it.
1: So biology as a normalizing point of departure
0: or?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, understanding really, yeah, the bio- biology uh, behind things and um, that whatever reactions the body has, it's, yeah. it's a normal reaction usually to abnormal circumstances, whether, you know, with regards to whatever traumatic event, you know, you, they had or, you know, the body now is being triggered you know the the response is bigger than the actual threat, but it makes sense if if you understand. Okay, what happened initially? You know, how does the body work under threat? And 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 yeah, why is it behaving this way right now? And instead of fighting against, oh, I'm behaving this way right now, it's more like you know befriending it in a way and in, 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 integrating yeah. it, and thus changing it on the long run, but not by fighting it. And it's yeah, it's it's um it's a very interesting process of um, observing it and and you know, and also still experiencing it for myself because you know the journey doesn't end. Just because I'm a therapist now it doesn't mean oh no, I'm finished, I'm done. I mean in in s e Peter Levine, the founder of always tends to say, you know when you when you finish yearning, he says, you are in kindergarten now. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> it it doesn't end, you know, learning. Uh, studying, um, taking sessions and um, classes because uh, it's such a big world, you know, understanding the biology behind everything and, and uh, yeah, how it relates to the emotions, how, how it relates to illness, certain illnesses and and symptoms.
1: And since you mentioned psychoeducation being a significant part of somatic experiencing, is there one point of departure or one angle that you like to introduce most clients to? I tend to explain what we call
2: the activation curve, what happens to us either when we're relaxed and relatively safe and what happens as soon as there is a threat. A term that was coined by Stephen Porges, a US neuroscientist, it's called a social engagement system. This is when we're safe and present, we can relate to other people, we can engage, um, we can be present, we can be playful. We have ex- access to everything that is there in us. And, but it requires a certain yeah. sense of safety. And as soon as threat comes, right, it could be an email, it could be a car, it could be a certain sound or noise or smell. I mean, it, whatever is perceived as a threat, and that's also important, right? It's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be a real threat, but it's something, there's a signal, and then it's matched with whatever is, is already stored as information in your body, memory. And that's another term coined by Stephen Porges called neuroception, right? The body kind of checks, you know, is, do I know this, how does it feel? And then, then there's a reaction. So if there's a threat, it's fight or flight, right? And it's, it's, uh, it's either a gradual process from being a little bit annoyed to being absolutely angry and, and enraged, or a little bit uncomfortable. But in this stage, right, the whole body is prepared to act, to do something. Run away or fight, in essence. We're really pumped up to do something. And ideally, this whole energy that's be- <laughs> being built up is then consumed by whatever action you take, right? If you have a chance to run away or just have an argument with someone, the energy is used and it's okay. Then, you know, the whole activation within your body goes down again, deactivating. And then ideally you go back into a state of safety and social engagement. Yet if something is perceived as life-threatening, and again, perceived, doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And the body goes into the freeze response. As the last resort, most people know the deer in the headlight that's one form, but there are a lot of, let's say, emotional manifestations of that. Dissociation, uh, depression, helplessness, choice paralysis, autopilot, you name it. They're what we also often call like functional freeze. Cause, you know, we're still kind of there in the world doing our jobs or raising our kids or whatever, but parts of us are turned off. And it's just a different form of dissociating. And. Again, it's to protect us because other neurotransmitters, other hormones are being emitted into the bloodstream to basically help us survive. And in this state, obviously, the digestive system doesn't play a role. The immune system, it's no longer necessary when you're completely overwhelmed. You don't need that. Interestingly enough, although this state feels dead, it's actually the part where the most energy in your body because you have the sympathetic gas pedal, you know, the fight-flight, and you have the dorsal vagal brake on top of it, right, which makes you feel dead and numb and so on. But underneath is all the restlessness and the part that wanted to fight or run away. So when you come out of the free state, right, by your partner friends or listening to nice music or going to nature playing with your dog, It's good you're coming out of uh, um, freeze but this the whole energy that was underneath if that's not expressed or discharged is still there and then often people go back into this kind of freeze because they cannot contain or hold all that energy that has been built up so you know trauma is not the event itself but it's the this, this state of dysregulation where the body can no longer go back into this nice, you know, relaxed state or balanced state where it, you know, can easily, you know, move between the states, but it gets between either, mm. you know, a state of high arousal or hyperarousal, which might manifest, you know, in the long run, you know, restlessness, sleeplessness, um, Yeah, just being hectic all the time, or or drug abuse, you know, as a way of, you know, self-soothing or self-calming, or the freeze state, you know, with all the different manifestations that we just spoke about. So the, the nervous system kind of erratically jumps back and forth between those two different states because it has not learned to discharge the energy that was initially built up, you know, to basically themselves. Unfortunately, there is no, you know, switch or no magic wand, right? That this is, you know, something that you can. Ah, oh, yeah. Let's learn this. We're not animals that just shake, and then, you know, this this whole energy is gone. Because this is how initially how SE started. That Peter Levine, the founder of SE, observed animals in the wild and saw that, you know, they don't develop PTSD, right? They they get chased, you know, uh, by by a wild animal, but you know, after that, they just shake and then they're they're good, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, that doesn't really work that way. So it's more learning. I mean, the body can learn, you know, to 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 be to safely discharge energy by itself.
1: How could that look?
2: First of all, it yeah. really starts with, you know, tracking and observation, like I said before, right? This is especially or yeah, befriending the body, knowing and learning its language, what's what's happening. Um and and that it's safe to let go right because it's although most people you know come and and said you know they say they want to be more relaxed or balanced um, for the nervous system the, the the body especially with people that are you know have early traumas or you know complex trauma the body has not learned to differentiate between the nice kind of relaxed kind of immobility that you experience in, you know, in the state of relative safety and, and social engagement system and the, the immobility they, they experience in the free state. One is immobility without fear and one is immobility with fear. And the immobility with fear has a sympathetic activation underneath. This is why there's so much fear. So on the one hand, the body says, oh, I want to relax. I want to be more, you know, present and so on. But there's like, it's, it's like a mix-up in, internally. You know, the body cannot differentiate that. So on the one hand, what, it's, what it wants the most, it's also fighting the most because it's so dangerous. And this is why we cannot push people like, oh, you know, relax. Or, or this is why for a lot of people meditation doesn't work because it's so dangerous to wire down And this also means, you know, releasing and letting go of all this excess arousal energy that would be too dangerous, right? It's like taking away crutches or or casts. If you have a broken leg, you wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very, very slow process that people learn, you know, listen to their body, get glimpses initially how it feels, that it's okay to feel calm, Mm -hmm. that it's safe, nothing will happen, that they learn that they contain um, states of arousal, whether unpleasant, like fear, anger, shame, these kind of things, but also pleasant arousal. Because the flip side of the coin, people, um, you know, if you shut yourself off from unpleasant uh, feelings, you're also shutting yourself off from pleasant feelings, right? So the ability to feel joy or ecstasy, it's also limited. An image that we like to use, it's like that we're in trauma, everything is tight and congested, like two fists, like clenching very hard. And what we're trying to achieve in a very, very slow process, step-by-steps, so that that these hands initially form a container where all the, the human experience can take place, whether pleasant or unpleasant, whatever it is, yeah. and you can hold it within you, and you might get angry, you might get sad, or you might get happy, everything, but especially with, with the unpleasant experiences, that it's not a trigger automatically that you know, sucks you into collapsing in some way or the other or being stuck in being completely angry and, and no longer present. But as I said, this is a process. This is why, as you know, it's not a quick fix, 10 sessions, and then you're good, right? Uh, that unfortunately doesn't work that way. But if it clicks with clients, you know, provided it does that, it's a very um, sustainable process because it's, it's the inner experience. It's something nobody can take away from you. If you do feel you are safer, if you do feel you have capacity to deal with things, if you do feel like I am stable, no matter what's coming my way, um, because it's happening within you, right, it's not so fragile as if it's just happening in your head. Oh, you know, I have this mantra, I'm strong and I'm, you know, whatever. You know, comes comes something and then it's then it's gone. But if it's really an an innate experience that every time during session and also outside, you know, when people understand the concept, then it's really, it's you know, they, yeah, people come. I mean, sometimes they say this during session. Sometimes, you know, even after, you know, they come back and like, oh my god, I had you know, I, I had an aha moment or I'm having an aha moment now. I, now I understand what is really happening here. And they see it in their everyday lives. Things are changing because it's really, you know, this bottom up. It's it's a new fo- It's it's like a new building a new foundation within yourself. And this is, you know, why it was so life changing for me, right? And this is why I love this work because I could feel it within myself. And basically, from day one, I, when I started working with clients, I could see the power of it. Although I was still a student, and obviously, yeah. you no, know, I, you know, it's it's. Um, I have more complex clients now than I had back then, but still I could see, okay, if it clicks, because obviously the chemistry is very important in a client-therapist uh, relationship, if that clicks, it's, it's sometimes, um, uh, yeah, it's m- miraculous.
1: <laughs> Would you say there are some conditions where somatic experiencing is especially beneficial?
2: Yes, a lot of my clients that have ADHD um, have benefited tremendously. Um, you know, the whole topic of chronic illness, um, I've seen a lot of, I mean, obviously chronic fatigue or long COVID or fibromyalgia, It's they won't go away or, you know, I've, I haven't seen that, but people have more quality of life. They're able to deal better with their symptoms. Um, they don't feel so much as a victim anymore. There's a lot of uh, developmental trauma, which is sometimes hard to grasp when people have it difficulty understanding because they didn't have monster parents it was a normal childhood but hey they're still depressed or have anxiety issues or other things and then the whole prenatal perinatal first couple of years the impact that has transgenerational trauma a big area too which is a bit harder to grasp but also see it in clients how working through these kind of things can can really be life-changing
0: You can read more about Ariane's way of working by visiting her profile at complicated.life, where you'll find that she's far from the only body-oriented therapist, since fortunately it's a growing tendency to include the body when working on one's mental health. Stay complicated until next time.